Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Welcome back to Know Your Bible. Glad you're here and we're going to study the Bible for the next 30 minutes. So uh, sit down and get ready for that and hopefully your question will come up today. Uh, that's what we do on this program is answer viewers' questions, and we go just as quickly as we can and get through as many as we can. Some of them take just a little bit of time, and some of them we have to explain a little bit more, but uh, we try to go as quickly as we can and get get through your questions. Now, if you're viewing for the first time, you may wonder how that works, and uh, you'll notice a phone number and a website the bottom of the screen. You can use either one of those to get in touch with us and tell us what you'd like us to talk about. Sometimes we get a real detailed question about the Bible. What's this verse mean or why are these two verses seem to be different? And we get a lot of life and uh, current event kind of questions where somebody says, what's the Bible I have to say about that? And we like to try to find answers for you. So every once in a while we'll get a question. We just have to say the Bible doesn't even talk about that. But very rarely because the Bible talks about a lot about life as our introduction showed you uh, just about any part of life the Bible's got some principles that are good for us so that's what we do and uh, when I say we I mean Toby Levering and I. Hi Toby. Good morning Steve. Glad you're back and studied up and ready to go and uh, got some good ones coming up today but always start with one for our viewers so this is it today what did Joshua have the people pick up as they cross the Jordan? Kind of an odd question, but uh, when the Israelites went across the Jordan into the Promised Land, uh, Joshua told them to take something up and take it with them. So we'll cover that at the end of the program, see if you know the answer to that. All right, Toby, I think you get the first one. Yep. So tell us about sin. We here. have a sin question. A viewer asks, are all sins equal or are some greater than others? To answer this question, I want you in your mind's eye to picture a pond perfectly still and quiet, uh, just absolutely nothing disturbing it. Uh, the surface of the water is like glass, reflecting perfectly everything above it. Uh, on, the, on the side of that pond, there, uh, one person with a very huge rock, other with just a tiny pedal, pebble. We both throw them in at the same time. Uh, of course, uh, the giant rock makes a huge splash and stirs up a lot of things, makes maybe larger waves and, and ripples begin to resonate out. And the other person throws in a small pebble, barely noticeable, but there's enough ripple to disturb the perfect reflection. Uh, that's my picture to describe for you what you asked, the difference between uh, sins. And there are, are some sins that are bigger than others in the sense that they have uh, larger repercussions and larger consequences and more noticeable and so forth. Others that are very small, but both of them disturb the perfection of the water. And when we think of God and His holiness and His righteousness, He's absolutely perfect. Uh, just like that perfect reflection 
But uh, any sin, great or small, disturbs the perfection, the perfect standard that he has. The Old Testament law pointed this out and, and made us aware that no matter how good we were and no matter how many sins we had, whether they be great or small, all of us struggled to uh, measure up to the perfect standard which God has. And that's the actual definition of sin is missing the mark, just falling short of God's standard. Now, of course, there are much different repercussions. It makes a much different splash. A person, you know, uh, going down the highway and they go, the speed limit's 60 miles an hour and they go 61. Is that a sin? Technically, yes. Disobeying, violating the law. Is it going to dramatically change things in a person's world, not near as much as, as uh, someone committing murder. Uh, there's going to be a huge repercussion there, lots of consequences and so forth. Uh, both of them disturb God's standard of perfection. Uh, in 1 John 5.17, the apostle uh, says there, all wrongdoing is sin, and there is sin that does not lead to death. And some people then begin to categorize these sins. These, these sins that meet, lead to uh, vast eternal consequences. These don't and so forth. I don't think that's what it's saying at all. I think they're just saying there's a difference there. And some of them have physical consequences in this world and some of them don't. But all sin, regardless of what it is, separates us from God and draws us to the need for a Savior. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says this, The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's what he came to do. All sins, great or small, he came to pay the price for them uh, that we might be attributed God's righteousness through him. All righty. This is not a Bible question, but it's something one of our viewers wondered about. And I thought, well, let's just answer it. The viewer <laughs> wants to know, is your show taped or live? Uh, some of you older viewers probably remember the old commercials. Is it live or is it Memorex? Well, uh, we're kind of past the Memorex days and the tape days, but the show is recorded. It's pre-recorded and broadcast at uh, the proper time. So what you're watching right now got taped or recorded uh, quite a few weeks ago is the way we operate. Let me just go through the process. Some our viewers might be interested. Uh, we get questions uh, all the time, uh, a lot of them during the broadcast time because that's when people see the number and all that. We get a lot more these days on the Internet. So uh, the phone number and the website is where we get our questions. Uh, we take those and put them into a script because we get a lot of questions every well, <laughs> over and over uh, every week, and we don't answer them every week. Uh, so we put together a script that kind of mixes the questions up and uh, covers some of them regularly, but it's because we get a lot of them regularly. Uh, then we come to a studio, and we sit down and re record those answers uh, for you. Then we send it off to somebody that puts closed captioning on it, so... Uh, people that need closed captioning can watch the show and know what we're talking about. And then we distribute all of those to the different markets, uh, all the areas that we broadcast in. And they show them as scheduled, and it's usually a couple of months after we've recorded the show. Uh, so that's kind of the process. Now, we get preempted every once in a while. Some of you may wonder about that, uh, sports or some big event or the Olympics or lots of different things preempt us. And since we're on a lot of different networks, different things preempt us. 
Uh, so we get out of sync every once in a while, and we're not showing the same program in every market. Uh, and that's why you'll see a rerun every once in a while. We try to balance that out and get us back in sync. So we'll show some reruns to get us back in sync. But that's what we do. They're pre-recorded. Uh, helps us get them to the right markets at the right time and all of that. So that's our process. That's the way we operate. Uh, it might be kind of fun to do a live show, Toby, but yeah. we'd probably do a whole lot more rambling and, and <laughs> stuttering and stammering if we tried to do it off the cuff. So this also lets us prepare a little bit, and hopefully that's a little smoother than if we, we did one live. Might also get seven versions of the same question. Oh, it wouldn't, it, wouldn't yeah, be much variety. Could be boring some <laughs> week. So, yep, we think pre-recorded works better. So that's what we do and how we do it. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, the next pre-recorded question. Question is, what does the Bible say about the form of baptism, sprinkling, and etc.? Well, the Bible really doesn't say much about sprinkling or pouring, for that matter. There's no example of either in the Scriptures. In the original language, which is the word baptism, is simply a transliterated word, which from the Greek means to dip, to plunge, to be buried. It it very much means going under the water. Both biblical context and extra biblical context. If you look at uh, where the word was used in, in ancient Greek papyrus, uh, you'll see stories of ships uh, sinking, and the word <coughs> baptizo is used over and over again. So uh, that's the only word that's used for baptism, and uh, it's the only example of that, by the way, as well. There's, as I say, no example of someone having been sprinkled or poured uh, in the Scriptures because that came much later as a result of uh, some false teaching and some unbiblical teaching and made us think, well, we had to baptize babies and then out of that came, well, we don't want to put the babies under all the way under the water and so forth. And so it really just became a, a, a misunderstood word. But when you look at the original uh, in the, the word and the language and you look at the scriptures and you look at all of the, the examples, uh, it's very clear that baptism uh, simply means going under the water. Uh, one great example of this is found in Acts chapter 8, verse 36 through 39. won't be on your screen, but I mentioned the reference so that you can look it up at home. Uh, Acts 8, 36 through 39, uh, as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch said, Here's water. What prevents me from being baptized, from being immersed, being dipped, being put under? And Philip said, well, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. He immersed, he dipped him, he put him under. And when they came up out of the water... The Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. A good example, and there are many examples. In fact, there's no example of one becoming a Christian without being baptized, being dipped, immersed, put under the water. So uh, the act of uh, being immersed uh, not only is what Jesus commanded and what the apostles did, but it's also a wonderful picture of what's happening in us through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is what Paul says in Romans chapter 6, and we'll finish with this. Do you know, not know that all of us who were baptized, dipped, plunged, put under, into Christ, were baptized into His death? We were buried 
therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Got to this past Sunday, had a Know Your Bible viewer, came to Northside, been attending for a while. It was my privilege and honor to be able to baptize him. He went into the water as the old man, uh, put him under the water, and brought him up a new creature. Nothing changed physically, outwardly, but inside, Christ and the Holy Spirit had regenerated him, had made him new, that he might walk in newness of life. It's a cool thing, cool picture. Yep, yep. that's one of those that if you asked that question in the first century, they'd have looked at you like, like what are you talking what, about? What, what is, what's, what's that mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we've changed that over the years. I had a book one time that was... Uh, about the uses of baptizen in literature, mm-hmm. uh, and it was—I never read all of it because it's a pretty boring book. But it was—I <laughs> scanned through it. And it was very interesting because somebody had gone through and taken all the literature written about—not all the literature, but samples from literature and news reports and everything else in the first century, wherever that word baptizo was used. And you read enough of those, you got the drift. Uh, you know, when a ship sunk, it yep. was baptized yep. in the ocean. Went under. Uh, when somebody did the dishes for the, the, the house, they baptized the dishes. They put them under the water. And just over and over and over how that word was used. And when you're done looking through that, there wasn't much question about baptism is immersion. Right, absolutely. <laughs> All right, let me take this moment to talk about a good way to study the Bible, and uh, we've got some courses that we're happy to provide to you, absolutely free of charge, Bible study materials, and uh, they'll come to you in the mail, and you can take your time and study them as uh, quickly or as slowly as you want. You see one set of lessons on the screen right now. There's eight lessons in this introductory set, but we've got some more advanced courses that we're happy to uh, offer to you, and uh, you'll know a whole lot more about your Bible once you've gone through this one. Uh, Let me just point out the first two lessons there you see on the screen, the Old Testament and the New Testament. That's where this course starts, and it's a good place to start in understanding the two main parts of your Bible. And uh, once you understand those, you're a lot better equipped to uh, figure out what the Bible's got to say to you and uh, what God's message is for you. So we've got a phone number and a website there. You can use either one of those to get in touch with us. And what we do is mail you the first course as soon as you request it. And you sit down and study through it, read what it says to read, and answer some questions to see if you were paying attention. Uh, Then mail it back to us. And we pay the postage, by the way, so it doesn't cost you anything. And uh, we'll score it for you and send it back with your second lesson. And that gives you a little accountability and helps you keep going. Uh, Form a regular habit of Bible study is what you can do with this. Plus, you learn a whole lot about your Bible. So... Sign up and get us, let us get it started for you. All right, question. Are there any cases of mental illness in the Bible? Well, uh, the thing to understand about this is mental illness is a definition these days uh, by the Psychiatric Association or somebody. I don't know who does all that, but it's constantly changing. Uh, and some <clears throat> some years we say, well, this is a mental illness or a disorder, and a few years later we say, no, that's not a mental illness, or that's perfectly normal. So 
what mental illness is today, especially, changes back and forth. Well, there weren't any psychiatry associations back in Bible days to define it or call it mental illness. Now, there are things in the Bible that today we would classify or uh, as a mental illness of some sort. Uh, there were some severely depressed people, I think, in the Bible. Uh, the, <clears throat> the Bible talks about them having sadness of heart. And there were some people who were suicidal in the Bible. Uh, Elijah said he was just ready to die. Things were so tough, he, God just might as well take him. Uh, he was done with <laughs> the mess here. Uh, so we've got that kind of thing in the Bible, but the Bible doesn't refer to it as a mental illness or a a disorder. There were people who were very fearful. Uh, today we'd probably say they were paranoid, but uh, like I said, the Bible doesn't talk about it that way. Uh, the New Testament has got a lot more cases of uh, people with an unclean spirit and evil spirits, and they behaved in ways that today we might say, well, that's, they're mentally ill. Uh, in fact, we call one in uh, Acts chapter, uh, Mark chapter 5, the uh, the fellow in the tombs that had an unclean spirit, a lot of unclean spirits actually. Uh, we call him the madman of the Gerasenes sometime mm -hmm. because he behaved like, like he was pretty crazy. Uh, but the Bible says he had an unclean spirit. And once Jesus cast those demons out, he was, he was okay. So uh, uh, is there something like mental illness in the Bible? Yes, there were people depressed and afraid and suicidal and, and all that, but the Bible just says that's the way they were and doesn't classify it as a, a disorder or a, a, an illness the way we do today. So hope that helps explain that. All right. I got a question we get from time to time. <laughs> Will our pets be in heaven? And the answer to that from a biblical perspective is the Bible doesn't say precisely. Uh, the Bible tells us, of course, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, uh, that we human beings are different from the animals. We're made in God's image. There's an eternal part of us that outlasts us. Now, but as far as whether or not animals go on in some eternal way, if they're in heaven with us, uh, I know many people are very, very close to their pets, love them dearly, almost treat them like a member of the family, and it's just uh, inconceivable to imagine being in, in eternity without their beloved pets. My answer to that, and our answer generally here on the program, is that uh, if uh, God believes and understands that for heaven to be perfect, uh, we need our pets there, then you can rest assured they'll be there. Uh, but if he decides they're not, they won't be. Uh, his answer will be exactly right on that. The Bible just does not tell us uh, what uh, that looks like. Bible doesn't give us. Bible gives us just a, enough of a hint of what heaven will be like, and every single hint is it's amazing. It's indescribable. It's beyond comprehension how good it's going to be. Uh, but it just doesn't give us a lot of details and specifics. So we're just going to have to wait. And, of course, so we want to go there and uh, make sure that uh, and know that, and trust that whenever we get there, it's going to be just uh, 
10,000 times what we could even imagine. I always liked uh, what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 21. He said, uh, who knows whether the spirit of man goes upward and the spirit of the beast goes down into the earth. He just, Solomon was a very wise man, and even, even he was just able to say, who knows what happens to the animals after they die. So uh, that's the best answer I can give. If God needs them to be there, they'll be there. If not, they won't be. Okay, you're right. People get real excited about this, and mm-hmm. they've got to have their pets there to be happy and all that. We judge heaven by what we think on earth yeah yeah and it's going to be so different that we're going to be surprised i'm sure i think so for instance i'm allergic to cats so if i went by things on earth (laughs) i don't want any cats in heaven you know i don't want to be sneezing all the time but god could fix my allergy just as well as he can fix your cats so uh, we we shouldn't judge heaven by (laughs) what earth is but uh, Who knows? Like we say, that <laughs> if we need it to be happy, we'll have everything we need. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. Where does it say if you don't work, you shouldn't eat? <clears throat> Some people might say, is that really in the Bible? Oh, it's in the Bible. And it's in Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Uh, Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica, and he's talking about lazy people that won't work. And he says, now you remember when we were there, even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. Okay, now obviously he's talking about, uh, I say obviously because the Bible talks about helping the needy and the people that are are disabled and all of that. Uh, But obviously he's talking about somebody who can work, who is able, who just refuses and is lazy. And Paul's uh, prescription for that is, well, if he won't work, if he refuses to work and he's able to do it, well, don't give him anything to eat. Now, it doesn't mean starve him to death. What Paul knows is that if a guy goes a day or two, he'll decide, well, maybe I could work a little bit because I'm getting awfully hungry. So Paul says when he gets hungry enough, he'll figure it out. He needs to work. If you give him things, handouts, and provide for him and don't make him work, uh, then he'll never work. So that's the Bible concept. Now, my only comment on that is if we really went by that, if people that were able to work had to work to get by, uh, it would probably change quite a few things in our society, wouldn't it? Uh, But this was the day before government programs and everything else. Christians helped needy people. But if somebody was able to work, and then they needed to work. That's a biblical Christian principle also. Take just a moment and invite you to visit a Church of Christ near you. Church of Christ keep us on the air, and we appreciate them, and we like to mention some. Uh, here's some up in the uh, Iowa, Illinois area. If we broadcast up in Rock Island, and if you live up in the Quad Cities or anywhere in that neighborhood, here's a, a few of our partners up in that area. The church in Sterling, Illinois, and Moline, Illinois, and Muscatine, Iowa are all folks that uh, help us stay on the air, and we like to thank all of them. If you live close to one of those and are looking for a church home, uh, drop in and visit them sometime. It may be in your neighborhood. 
maybe you know somebody at work or a neighbor that attends one of those congregations, say, hey, I was watching Know Your Bible the other day, and I didn't know you folks provided that for me, so thanks for keeping that on the air. I enjoy that program. Uh, Add your thanks to ours, and we thank all those folks for helping us uh, stay together. All right, let me mention a special program that's coming up in this area here close to the home church of Know Your Bible uh, in Wichita, Kansas, April 13th and 14th. You ladies, this is a ladies event, a women conference, and it is a big deal, I want to tell you. It's grown over the years, and people come from uh, all over the United States and even from foreign countries to uh, participate in this. Uh, it's an excellent event, great teachers, uh, great worship, great uh, humorists, uh, it's good shopping, it's got everything. So if you ladies need a weekend away, a girls weekend, this is a great place to do it and get spiritually recharged also. So head to the website on there, womenwalkingwithgod.org, look that up and find out all the details and come have a great weekend with our ladies here in Wichita. Okay, the next question of you asks about is what is the difference between the Lord's Day and the Day of the Lord? Well, there is a difference between the two, and uh, if we pay attention to Scripture, we can see that the Lord's Day refers to <coughs> Resurrection Day, the first day of the week. Uh, the Christians, as they began to, uh, of course, Jesus was, was raised uh, on Sunday, and Christians began to meet and worship on Sunday. Uh, celebrating the resurrection of their Lord. It was a, a wonderful tribute to what He had done and what He was doing through them. Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, John says, On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. So that tells us that it was on a Sunday when He had that vision. Uh, and the day of the Lord is something different. It refers to the last day, the day of judgment at the end of time. And that's going to be, of course, very different. Uh, the Lord's day is always on Sunday. But the day of the Lord, that could be any day. It could be any day Sunday through Saturday. So two very different days, uh, but both are important in different ways. Let's read Second Peter chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. And so every, every Lord's Day we remember that the day of the Lord is coming. And we're encouraged to live in a right way and to live as Christ called us to live until He returns. I hope that helps. All righty. Good answer. Viewer wants to know about inheritance. I don't know if they got a will to make out or what, but what's the Bible say about inheritance? And it really doesn't. The Old Testament does talk about the laws of inheritance and the first son gets everything and, and all of that. But that was back under the theocracy of the Old Testament. The New Testament just doesn't talk about it. Uh, the only thing that's in there about it is Jesus one time said he wasn't going to deal with inheritances. And I'll just show you that verse. It's kind of interesting. It's in Luke chapter 12. In Luke chapter 12, someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist 
in the abundance of his possessions. So he told that guy, I'm not going to get involved in arbitrating your inheritance. And besides that, it sounds like you're greedy and be careful about being greedy. So that's about all the New Testament says about inheritance. Uh, other than that, some Old Testament principles, but nothing in the New Testament. All right, let's take time to answer our trivia question here. What did Joshua have the people pick up as they crossed the Jordan? And the answer is 12 stones. Uh, he had them pick up some stones and use that as a memorial of that crossing into the promised land. We're out of time today for questions, but we're going to come back next week and answer some more. Hope you're back then. Till then, you have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.